It's very subtle. You want me to do a intro? Sure. You're listening ahead. to Politic Tick Boom with your host, Kevin Hamm. Ah, that's that's great. We'll put that actually at the beginning. <laughs> some heavy metal or something. Uh, no, we'll put some orchestration. Something with something with two violins and a duck. There you go. Um, <laughs> so welcome back to the show. Hello. Special guest Nick Schwader. How many ERs there? I think there's eight or nine. The Schwad, as you became known, and on the house floor. And even uh, narcissistically referred to myself in one speech on the floor as the Schwad. Ah, um, that's delightful. Yeah. So uh, the session is over and you survived? Yeah. You said you had a limp, but I didn't even notice. <laughs> that's right. I remember when we concluded where I said I'd come back and I might have a limp. But, uh, you know, it's been a week or two or three. <laughs> so it's, you know. So how was it? Was it what you expected? You know, it was... Uh, I was actually uh, really impressed. You know, it was a lot more roses and everything when we last spoke because we were like 10 days in. All the bills were 100 to zero. And I think it was probably about within a week after that that the first bill was killed on the floor, and that was one of mine. So, mm, it, which was that? Uh, that was uh, so basically, you know, Republicans tax cuts, right? But I was like, Democratic governor. So, what can we do? They'll, they'll help it. And I know that, you know, making things more uh, progressive with the tax brackets are, you know, kind of things that are more passable than just to the wealthiest. Right. So I had one that took our lowest bracket rate, which is 1%, and put it to 0%. Just saying, you know what, if you're a kid working summers or, you know, uh, not making a lot of income, that'll help out. But, you know, it was a tax cut so early on, people didn't want to start the precedent of cutting down revenue so I was, uh, you know, I'm not saying it's the best bill in the world now, but so I didn't have the D's. And then there's about 20 R's who uh, didn't like giving tax cuts to the bottom. So they bailed and it died. So um, explain to me why somebody would not want to give tax cuts to the bottom, because the revenue that's from that tax bracket is one is one of the lowest. Yeah. And two, they're the people that need it the most. Oh, I mean, this is exactly I mean. You know, I when when you're when we're in a situation with a Republican-controlled legislature, a Democratic governor, I don't completely understand bringing bills that you think are going to die. And I and, and I and I thought that there'd be you know kind of a bipartisan. But to be fair, I was an unskilled politician. My rhetoric wasn't beautiful, and when I got asked certain questions, I was horrible. If you go back and watch it. I think Kathleen. Oh, I'm not going to. <laughs> Let's be honest. Well, Kathleen Williams uh, asked me on the floor, "Well, what what are we going to cut to make up for this loss of revenue?" And I made the mistake of getting flustered and saying, "A probe will sort that out." And they didn't like that because they there I did I wasn't used to the dialogue of apparently I was supposed to pick something to cut. Um, but yeah, so it, everything was roses up, but and I think it actually still ended a bit better than 11 i mean just watching it as a citizen um and also what i was expecting wasn't exactly what happened i i really expected maybe i was a bit cynical that there'd be a lot of dragging me in the you know back rooms and saying you have to vote this way you have to vote that way and that didn't happen the only times that someone would talk from the legislature is if it was someone who's that it was their bill yeah, I don't think it happened to uh, the House. I, it happened in the Senate. Oh, exactly. <laughs> the, the Senate was. It, it's funny because you know last session, uh, in the 2011 session, um, the House was a mess. Uh, 
this Senate, however, <laughs> made that house look rather calm and almost together. Uh, oh, there was so much that went on with the Senate up, you know, and it peaked kind of with the the thumping of the hands and the chanting. And I'm like, oh, they're doing a rain dance. How odd. <laughs> I actually went there for that because we could almost hear it in the house and we weren't in doing business at the time. And I went down and there's a connecting bathroom and hallway. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went in and it was just, it's surreal because in the house I was used to, we'd have passionate debate, but it felt like there's this like level that we didn't cross. Because of the last session when it crossed that line so many times. Yeah. And then, but what the cameras didn't show is the gallery too. And that there's a lot of house members in there. And it, it was, you know, I'm not saying right or wrong. I'm just saying it was kind of overwhelming to being there, you know, uh, seeing it. And I'm not saying, oh, this, both sides were just being, not playing well with others. It was pretty ugly. And it's weird because the house is supposed to be, oh, we have smaller districts. We're more extreme. We're, we're all mad and angry. And then the Senate's like, rules. You can't wear jeans on the floor even on a Saturday, you know. And What's hi- interesting about that, so what cracks me up about those rules is those don't actually, they can't stand on those rules. Really? Yeah. So there was a, a state representative in Oklahoma, and he worked on the sh- floor in jeans and T-shirts. And the only reason he's not still there, because he would be elected, but Oklahoma instituted, or Oklahoma or Kansas, one or the other. Anyway, they instituted uh, term limits. But he wore whatever he want, and they tried to censure him, and he sued and took him all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. U.S. Supreme Court said, you can't take his right to represent his people away. Uh, your rules don't matter. So he would swear on the floor. He'd say whatever he wants, right. and he wore whatever he wants. And I was like, that's my kind of politician. That's awesome, because <laughs> also, you're exactly right, because you look at... You know, if somebody gets out of line, they get gaveled down. But in reality, there's the protections and even higher. Like we have, there's a higher protection of you can't even be sued for what you say on the floor. For example, if you're just pick out a company and say things that they think are, you know, slanderous. Uh, slanderous. Yeah, yeah, we can't get sued for that because we have that, you know, super. Uh, you have a you have a responsibility. You're representing a group of people, exactly. and and the more that you re- the more people that you represent, the higher that responsibility is. Right and. That protection goes both ways. I mean, you can't, you shouldn't abuse it, obviously. But part of the reason that I think this this guy, and I wish I could remember his name, I should look it up and put it in the show notes. Something I haven't done in months. Um, the the basic thing that he had is he was like, well, I would respect this body if it showed any respect to the people that it was representing. Wow. Yeah, it's like, um, we're very close to that Montana. So I see I see shorts and jeans in the future of the Senate. Oh man, just someone come in there, hot day out, you know, have flip flops and shorts and flip flops, sunglasses, and a glass of scotch. Let's let's do this. That's right. Now, now that's an interesting. That brings us to a question that you might know. Hmm. What are there? Um, are there rules on that as well in the house? I mean, because they say that, oh, there used to be drinking, and I think we talked about all these kind of debauchery on the floor. Is it just something that doesn't happen now because of that? You know, political incentives. But I mean, are there rules on the capital? Don't know. And I don't think there's anything in the MCA on it. I could look it up. I may have to do that. But the, we'll but, discuss that again next time. But, but what would, yeah, well, yeah, maybe. But I, I don't would. think so. I don't think they can say anything. I mean, as long as you're following the general laws of the land, I don't really think they can say anything to you at all. Now, can the body censure you? Yeah. But think about this. In uh, one of the gifts that DPHHS, it wasn't DPHHS at the time, but the Department of Health uh, gave to the legislature for one session was ashtrays. <laughs> so, oh man, you know, think how far we've come since then. Yeah. And that was just, that was uh, late fifties, early sixties that that happened. Wow. You know, and it's like, you know, things change and, and they swing one way and then they swing back and it gets a little bit wonky. Um, 
know, who knows? Who knows? I just think it's funny because, quite frankly, I think I'd make a mint if I could get a liquor license and sell shots of whiskey right outside the <laughs> stores. Right? You, you get the, the mm, you, know, you know, come on out. If hey, you have a long session, get get them on their way in. Get, get the, you know, leave it just outside, too, for the lobbyists. And then everybody yeah, can Absolutely. Just... 25 bucks a shot. I'd be a millionaire by the and, end of and the session. And here's the other thing is, you know... Uh, for, for going to and participating in the session, it, the, the protection is you can't be arrested unless in the commission of a felony, right? Right. So um, that means that stops if for some reason somebody doesn't want me to get to the session to vote and I'm driving there and I'm in some violation, but I can't be arrested unless I'm like stabbing someone or something. Right. But, well, it has so, to be, remember, it has to be a felony. So you'd have to be... Um, I don't even think aggravatedly stabbing. Well, right. no, because I think isn't one of the traffic uh, violations a felony as well. There, there probably is. I'm sure there's a reckless or uh, careless driving. That's but as a far felony, as but. linking back to what we said, I don't think there's a drunken public unless it reaches a certain level isn't a felony. So I just talk about right, drinking exactly. on the. This is as linking it back to what right, but an open container is a felony. And and I wonder oh. if the house qualifies as a public space. I, it can't be because I don't know. It, it, it's an interesting question. I mean, the good thing is I think there's enough uh, uh, other forces at work that would probably stop a politician from having a beer or or, or a big glass of scotch on his desk. Because I mean, I don't know that those forces will hold true for much longer. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, it's oh. like why are why are you having a scotch? The only way you people make sense is if I'm half in the bag. So yeah. I'm you trying to help There's you. Probably some <laughs> districts where that would get you some votes. They'd be like, I'm sure it would. He's... Helena might be one of them. <laughs> yeah, it's like he's real. He'll he'll drink exactly. scotch on the floor. Look, here's the deal. I'll I'll be drinking whiskey, but it's Montana whiskey, so I don't want to hear any bitching. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um. But you know, it was uh, it's pretty nice. It's amazing how little we see or I saw of the Senate. I mean, we're right next to each other, but we're on the floor at the same time. Their offices are on the top floor on the far end. And when we're on the bottom floor on the other end, so, right. and, and not a lot of overlap. So sometimes you're first seeing these senators when you have a bill before their committee. Um, what was that like? Um, now, had you testified before a committee before you'd become a legislator? No, I'd, I'd, I'd work. Well, no, I'd been in committee hearings, but I'd not testified myself. Okay. So I went to, you know, it is very different when you go from the House to the Senate with a bill, because by that point, you've gone a long way. So you're you get a little nervous. You're going back to the committee after surviving the floor, or maybe unanimously on the floor. And you're used to a set of thought processes and questions. And you're prepared for that. You're like, all right, I know what's going on here. And you go on the Senate committee, and it's just completely new. And I, that's probably a good thing, because they'll... You know, they don't know me as well. They don't feel like, oh, this is the guy I sit next to. I have to be nice to him, you know. And they, right. And uh, they can grill you. So, um, yeah, I mean, it is is always interesting going to speak before the Senate. Um, it's fun. So how was it when uh, a bill that you were sort of – I know you had signed on for it. I don't know that you were official co-sponsor, but um, SB 107. That was pretty neat. That was – it took a long time. Uh, I mean, not just through the last decade or so, but I mean the session alone. 25 years. Right. Um, but even just in the session, from when it started in the process till it got through, because, you know, it kept getting moved around here or there, and then it uh, it it died in... How's, how's Judiciary, the killing yeah. fields? Right. And, uh, you know, it was... There was a lot of behind-the-scenes talking... 
you know, in, in the caucus. And, and I was very pleased to see that the party didn't caucus against the bill. I was worried about that and it didn't happen. Um, and what was it? You know, it really came down to that blast. Uh, Representative Bennett on Missoula handled himself like a gentleman and did a very good job. And the Democrats did a fantastic job when there were things being said on the floor that I imagine had people wanting to rebut. And it, oh, we didn't want to rebut them. We yeah. wanted to shut them up. Right. Um, I'm not going to name names, but I, I actually wasn't even going to talk on the blast myself until I heard certain things that just hit that button. And uh, that seemed to be the theme of the day. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, once it once it passed a certain point, and it got really really horrible. I I watched it, and I tried to go back and watch it again, and I just can't. Right, because you know I and here's the thing, you know, it was uh, sixty thirty nine, I think, or sixty thirty eight mm-hmm. on the blast motion because two were gone. We needed fifty nine because two were missing for the three fifths, so it was pretty close. Um, so we got 21 Republicans in the end we ended up getting 30. Um, but it was of those 30 or well, yeah, 35 that voted no in talking with them. It's, you know, there's probably about 30 of them that were just misguided on the bill. I think what I think might've happened is when you hear that there's a law in the books that does something that's just so unbelievable then people start getting skeptical, like, well, is it really for that? And I think there's 30 of them that were drinking some other Kool-Aid, thinking it was meant to do something that it wasn't. But there, there might have been five that actually believed in the law. Well, and the, and the testimony that went on before the, the committee and also went on in the back rooms and in the lobbying in person that happened um, from Dallas Erickson and uh, Jeff Laslavi was filled with hate and uh, ignorance the things that they were saying were just not only empirically untrue, um, they were just horrible things to say. And um, Dallas Erickson is a, is, a, is a very special case. For those of you who don't know at home what SB 107 is, it struck the um, sexual deviant language that had been ruled unconstitutional by the Montana Supreme Court in 1997 from the books. Um, but Dallas Erickson is part of the reason that it has remained on the books. And he was the one who was saying it's been used in rape cases, which it hasn't, that it's been used in child abuse cases, which it hasn't, and that it had been used recently. And his definition of recently was in the last seven years. It hasn't been used in the last 35. Right. And no one on that committee called him out. And this, you know, I like that the some of the members of that committee, specifically the Democrats, uh, and no one, no one stood up, called him up, asked him the question, asked him what county, what prosecutor, what judge, and when. Right. And because none of them did that, I'm kind of pissed. Because it's basic stuff. He said that this happened, and it's a very easy thing to prove or disprove. You ask him when it happened. Right. And since he doesn't have the dates, because they don't exist, they could have gotten rid of him. And that would have killed his credibility completely. And they didn't do it. It made me crazy. It was, was like, and, and if you need... If you need uh kind of proof about how common sense no-brainer this bill was you look at the widespread of people who did vote in favor of this bill you had some hardcore uh right-wingers voting for it you know Mm -hmm. i consider my senator fielder who voted for it on the floor um to be pretty you know uh conservative Uh, a bunch of them well i mean most of them right or maybe not most of the republicans but most and even the ones who gave i mean dwayne ankney 
Yeah. You know, the speech that he gave was amazing and it was heartfelt and it was touching and it was off the cuff and it was all of those things that those, the floor speeches are actually supposed to be. And, uh, the reason that he gave it wasn't because he wanted to, but because he had to, because of what these people were saying about what turned out to be his daughter. Right. And there's, and there's three kind of angles that I saw the R's hit on because only the R's debated. Right. The Democrats already got it. Ten because, years ago. Yeah, because you don't necessarily gain votes from the right when Democrats come up and um, speak sometimes. But but <laughs> sometimes you, know, you, you get what I'm saying. I'm not saying it in a mean way. I'm just saying, you no, know, I know. we're trying to gain votes. But, you know, Ankeny really hit it on from the rights. I I was really boring, so I didn't get any quotes, but I was just trying to specifically speak to each of the boogeymen people we're talking about. And then there, and then a different perspective altogether was: Did you McNiven? Did you see his speech? I did. And it was it was different from where Ankeny was coming from, from where I was coming from. But I think that might have spoke to some of the other folks there, mm-hmm. saying, "Hey, even if you have this view, this view, this view in policy, here's why I'm supporting this." Right. So I mean, we may not agree on he and I may not agree on everything, but he he gave that perspective. You could tell he's kind of uncomfortable because it's not you know, probably something he's used to doing, speaking on that. But, um, yeah, past, I didn't, uh, I didn't avoid the signing ceremony. I just didn't go. I was, <laughs> I was legislating and, and whatnot or having lunch or something. It but was massive. Was it? Yeah. I saw the apparently, shirts. Apparently it was, uh, one of the biggest signing ceremonies that we've ever had in the really? state. So it's a pretty impressive thing. Yeah. I mean, and it was, uh, I was glad because as we spoke last time, I actually started drafting, uh, basically this bill and I didn't know that Facey had one. And then we had a conversation and I put mine on hold and just co-sponsored his. And, um, there you go. And I spoke in, in both committees and, 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 you know, uh, if there's people here who are just concerned with maximizing their secure positions and their political lives and their conservative districts, I don't know if that's the way forward. You know, he got elected to represent for Montana and do his right. And, and guess what? I actually spoke to my district before this whole thing happened, spoke to, you know, everyone from the Tea Party to the Republican Committee, and, and they, they all knew what was going on. And I, maybe because I spoke to him first, they, they liked it. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody else got to him with any inflammatory rhetoric. I said, hey, guys, uh, here's a law in the books. Uh, Go to repeal it. And they're like, oh, that seems unconstitutional to me. I'm <laughs> yeah. a Tea Party. You know, I mean, so that's... Um, I think it was just what all the opposition to the bill was pretty much people who think that there's a big secret agenda. Well, the gays do have a, and a big secret agenda and we well, can't tell you about it because oh. you know, you have to be inducted, but you get a toaster. And <laughs> so is there like recruiting? <laughs> oh God. Yeah. I love all those rumors because that? it just cracks me up. I'm like, well, why wasn't I recruited? That's what I want to know. I mean, it wasn't <laughs> ever picked for the football team either. So I guess it's fair, but what there is is straight recruiting. <clears throat> yes. Anyway. So sorry, I'm not, I'm going to get primary. If I keep <laughs> You're going to get primary anyway, but that's okay. The thing is, is that you ran a good campaign. You actually have done well in the session. Um, you made a pretty good name for yourself kind of on both sides, and everybody was pretty well comfortable working with you, which is a really, really good thing, especially in your first session. So um, I didn't hear anybody go, oh, the schwad, the schwad must go. Um, although I did see that one time on a tweet, but it was apparently a joke. <laughs> oh, did you see the Did you see the guy who uh, – and by the way, uh, so – Plug, uh, I know uh, Kevin's going to have Bryce here next week, and then we might do a duo in a month or so. But um, 
you have to have him bring in uh, some of the artwork I sent him during the session. I drew him artwork at um, when we'd be at really tough, tense times on the floor to bring some levity. I'd have a page send him like a funny picture I drew for him <laughs> related to what we were talking about. But I won't, I won't tell you what it was. But the Twitter thing, he and I, we will, while we're in the debates, tweet. You know? Everybody should be. Yeah, and and there was, um, and it's great because I think for people who read that, it gives them a little more access because instead of the sound bites cherry picked from the media, we're sitting on the floor, we're seeing how everyone's feeling. Really, only about one out of every ten tweets is politically charged. The rest are just kind of funny or congr- right. you know, uh, going through data. But he and I were going back and forth and about resolutions and how. We have so many, you know, it was towards the end of the session, and some random guy tweeted, maybe if Bryce and Nick weren't joking around on Twitter so much, we'd be doing things and not passing resolutions. I'm like, I didn't know my tweeting hurt the state so much. Well, you know, Twitter is going to bring down Western society. <laughs> That's all there is to it. It's going to be one of those things where it's, you know, somebody will tweet out at two Brutus, and it's the end of it. <laughs> oh, man. So, all right. So, what was your best moment in the session? Uh, the, probably uh, for me is is the second to last day um, when, <laughs> when I, no, so close <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't the last it wasn't when I walked it, it out wasn't what they said to seen to die <laughs> uh, you know I'd, I'd had a bill uh, that is pretty important to a lot of folks uh, dealing with uh, civil liberties and it passed the house 98-0 and it passed senate 43-7 and uh, ACLU helped me draft it and whatnot, and and they were and which, backers. what was this for? This was the one, uh, do you remember under Schweitzer what we did with the Real ID Act where we... We said no. Right, exactly. Right. So this is basically the same tool. It's not, you know, there's some nullification bills out there. It's not that. Um, it doesn't tell the feds to do anything. It's just like what we did with Real ID, but with uh, the indefinite detention without charge or trial provisions of the 2011 NDAA right. bill. So... Um, it said that we wouldn't participate. Yeah, yeah basically. And, a, and that's, the, that's the interesting thing. There are a bunch of people that are like, well, you can't have that. And then you say that you're not going to do the real idea. I'm like, the real idea, we did the same thing. We said we aren't going to participate even if it costs us. Right. You know, it wasn't that we didn't agree that other states couldn't do it. That's their own goddamn business. Right. But we said that we're not going to. And if that costs Montanans, then so be it. That's the choice that we've made. Right. As a state, we will not be participating in this program. Right. And, it, and that, you know... And so we were a little uh, surprised to see that one vetoed is the same day he actually signed my gun bill. So what I thought was going to happen was gun bill veto, uh, <laughs> NDAA bill sign. And I was getting ready for the, you know, go fill out for the ceremony and all that. And, and I saw the word veto at 11 o'clock at night before I went to bed. Uh, and that was the day, you know, two days before the last day. So the second to last day when we were there till 1130 at night. Um I made the override motion. You know, overrides don't work because you don't you don't want to be seen voting against the governor if you're a Democrat all the time. So we, I guess for me, the biggest moment was when I got to uh, speak and close and really, because when I was going through the bill, when I was bringing it through the committees, mm-hmm. I tried to keep very quiet and, you know, just talking to the policy and boring because that's what the le- doesn't turn legislators off. They listen. But then when it's the override, I, I got to be a little emotional and talk about civil liberties. And my I had a joke at the be- beginning called Representative Woods voted for one of my bills. Um, if, if For those listening, there's this 
inside joke that Woods and I have a faux rivalry because we cancel out our votes a lot. So he would stand up and like call me out sometimes as a joke. And then I, we even did it during the reenactment of the 1913 legislature. So, um, we're going to talk about that in a minute too. Yeah. Um, but so like I had a bill once that had to deal with the TRS system. He stood up, he said, beware of Schwatterers bearing bills. He said, actually, this was a good bill and I'll vote for it, you know, but so anyway, inside mm-hmm. jokes there. I, you know, and if he comes back, we got to keep that up. If we both come back, <laughs> our, our little inside joke thing. He's, he's a uh, brilliant guy. I think he deals with, um, microbiology, biochemistry, one of mm-hmm. those things, professor. So cool. Yeah. So, uh, your gun bill got signed. Yep. Your, uh, bill t- uh, to say no to, uh, illegal, well, basically a violation of the fourth amendment. Hello. <laughs> Uh, is it fourth search and seizure? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, don't, I, don't ask me uh, constitutional uh, questions. If I mess up, it's going to be on sound by, I have a very constitutional <laughs> district to say, sure. Doesn't I would like to it. point out, you could have as constitutional a district as you want, but we have the tea party here in Helena and they couldn't even tell the difference between an article and, a, and an amendment. So, oh boy. uh, they're like an article Ar- two says this article an two amendment. guns <laughs> and I'm like, no pumpkin. That's an amendment. <laughs> oh man. Um, so yeah, you know, there's a lot of, uh, that one was the one when it got vetoed, I was going, huh? There's a lot of people going, huh? huh? And then house bill 12. Yeah. Was the other one where I was like, oh, qua. <laughs> see, here, here's, pardon me as I use my French because apparently I'm somewhere I don't know. <laughs> see, here's, here's the time of the year where you're going to see more Republicans. Because whenever a bill is vetoed after the session, if it had two thirds or more support, it goes to us in a ballot in the mail, right? Right. So this is the time of the year where if you follow, you're going to see more Republicans voting for spending than you've ever seen because their priority level is probably going to be override veto they prefer over, you know, the spending. So there's going to be people who voted against some of these bills who are going to be voting to override, I imagine. Uh, I imagine, too, and it'll be interesting. House Bill 12 is the one that um, is a provider rate increase for the people that provide for the developmentally disabled and the ill. Right. Does that include the home care? Yeah. Yeah, See, part of the reason I support that, that is I, I got a lot of messages from folks I know in my district. And if I understand that this is in the same system, this is keeping people out of nursing homes, you know, for the home care part of it. Mm-hmm. And so these are people driving, you know, like 40 miles in the boonies to DeBorgia and then driving, you know, 120 miles again round trip to Missoula and, and taking care of folks. And they keep the dignity of staying in their home for the, for the home care. And I mean... And that's part of it. I mean, there's there's yeah, all there's, sorts of part of it. Sure. I mean, there's the the funding that goes to people that live at Farm and Liddell, and there's you know people that live in the halfway houses. I mean, it's all sorts of stuff. Right. It helps vets. It's it's an amazing amount of work that goes into. And is the system perfect? No, the system is not perfect. No system created by man is ever going to be perfect. Get a grip. But for the amount of money that we save, the amount of money that you know is being removed from the budget on this versus what that money could be doing it's a ridiculous veto yeah it's one of those ones where i'm like you're gonna be overridden on this and and the democrats are gonna do it and look at you like no you you brought this on yourself do you think you the absolutely democrats will vote the, to override? i think they will i okay. honestly do i was talking to um several of them over the last couple of weeks and it's the one thing that's on their mind and they're all pissed that he put them in this position yeah well i did get five democrats on my override so i was only three short so i mean it's not always locking 
you know. No. And then that's the other thing is, you know, here's the thing that I don't think the people realize when they go into each session. It's not a game of this side wins, that side loses. It's a game of we all work together or we right. all lose. Look at look at the votes and how really minority of the time it was 6139, right? You had a lot of hundreds of zeros. You had a lot of weird number votes. But 6139, it happened, sure. But it wasn't the norm. Right. So. And it wasn't ever, ever going to be the norm. Right. So it's it's one of those things that just makes me crazy. <sighs> well, there are many things that make me crazy, but whatever. Um, oh, and also, uh, if sorry if I'm getting off track here. Nope. We I have brought, no track. Welcome to the show. <laughs> so before I came down, I, I typed out a list of stuff because, you know, the media can only cover so much, but I was actually on the ground. So I, I did a list. We don't have to go through it, but to cherry pick um, something I said because we had two town halls this last week in my district to just meet with people see you know say what we did you know um get a high five if they're happy or abuse if they're upset you know the political process right and um i'll tell you what so when you campaign and you meet people and you and you go through this this whole thing you have a set area of issues that you really care about but when you're here you vote on everything that's your job i'll tell you i i would be happy if if i'm reelected. If I never saw another gravel bill or bison bill again, I don't care which way on policy. It's just I was not thinking about bison and gravel when I came here. And there's a lot of gravel bills and a lot of bison bills. Okay, so explain what the gravel bills were about. Uh, honestly, I can't even remember everything. <laughs> seriously, we had about 1,400 bills, but I think some of it had to do with uh, putting in gravel pits near property. I don't know. I think somebody must have had a gravel pit put by their house and lost some value and got really irked and just started this whole gravel war. And uh, Representative Pomnikowski, I think, is probably the resident expert on gravel because she'd always speak on those bills. Hmm. And I, you know, afterwards, I kind of dumped it all out of my brain because it, <laughs> I don't, I know, in it's my dirt. I'm done. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then bison bills. Bison bills are fun. Well, and it's funny because bison and wolves, uh, bison, wolves, and sex ed, really. Those are the three <laughs> things that are going to come up every time. Oh, man. And, and bison, uh, bison have been a problem in the state forever. And not because the animals are a problem, but because humans dealing with them are idiots. On both sides. On both sides. I mean, yeah. the whole, well, they get brucellosis and they kill our cattle. Well, maybe don't pen them in because they're a wild animal. They're supposed to be roaming on the plains. Well, but the plains are owned by people. All right. Maybe that's the problem. You know, we've got a lot of that that goes on. And I'm not an expert on it. My general feeling, though, is that if you lose this basic part of Montana history, you lose Montana. So you better get your act together because we can't afford to lose those things. And the same thing with wolves. It's like, you know, well, the wolves have to be killed. They're taking over and they're killing all of these things. And it's like, okay, they can be contained. We can do it right. We wiped them out once before. I'm sure we could do it again if that was absolutely necessary, but I think it's smarter to not do that. It's smarter to maintain those things that existed when Montana was wild and frontier-like. It's, and like, in, in my area, we're, we're near the, you know, uh, Idaho. <laughs> bison range thing. I'm, I'm going to be in trouble for not remembering it. You're, you're near the bison range thing. Um, Tim, uh, what is it? The park. Uh, uh, that's, that's my neck of the woods. But, um, you know, I'm not, for, for my area, it's not a vitriolic issue on either way. It's not an issue at all because we're just a bunch of mountains. We don't have bison roaming around. So when I come here and I just see the passion, both sides that are just going at it. And I'm just thinking, man, I wish we were talking about like a you know, 
tax bill or a, <laughs> even 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 a district you know or a levy bill or a district bill or something and even those are kind of dry sometimes i was in um local government committee and that was a lot of it, it seemed like a pseudo appeals court of people who didn't like their local governments uh, it kind of is yeah, a lot of Billings problems, a lot of Missoula problems, a lot of Great Falls problems. So, Fun. Yeah. So what else? What other bills? Okay, so... Th- Let's go through your list. I think that'll be fun. Okay, I got... I, so we, we hit up some of it. Um, He's got this stack of paper. It's an hour-long show. So He's I've got, got a stack of paper that's roughly the size of a Buick. I've got... Okay, so... Did you print the entire bills, or is that just No, this these are just... Uh, we had um, the latest budget... Uh, numbers came out may 9th but i think that's all gonna change because you have the overrides and whatnot so it's not worth looking at right now um but we also had the latest revenue numbers come out two days ago Mm. um and we dun 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 yeah we're uh we're exceeding the sj2 estimates by a good chunk so far um this year we're projected to be six percent above last year so far we're ten percent above and that and, and a lot of it's in because of income tax so the vast majority of the income tax stuff's in and, and that's the vast majority of the revenue. So. You're exactly right. And uh, sorry, I was on house taxation. I think that's a little nicer committee to be on than house appropriation because everybody wants lower taxes, but <laughs> then we are appropriation. Everybody wants, you know. Everybody wants to spend money, right? Yeah. So, but it's, it's, it's. All these services need help. Right. We only had one tax increase bill the whole session and it was a, da- a, a gas tax increase. Did it pass? Nope. <laughs> well, I mean, come on. Did you think shocking uh, oh my w- gosh shocking well but anyway so okay let me let me go through some of this we had uh so folks here's some of the things that happened at the legislature that may not have been covered in the news or maybe it was and you don't remember uh we killed a bill uh banning assisted suicide physician assisted suicide <laughs> yeah well random assisted suicide is you know i bad. imagine the real <laughs> that's called murder the real small government position would probably be unregulated assisted suicide but this is you know a physician sorry that was a little joke there the, you know. <laughs> um, unregulated <laughs> assisted suicide what do we call that politics anyway <laughs> um in that that passed the house died in the senate thank god here's the funny thing so the main line in it was and it's just a weird set of words to hear in law. Consent is not a defense. Um, I understand what they meant by it, but it just sounded funny to hear those words. Yeah, because consent is a defense. Right. But get this. Uh, Wittick, of all people, proposed an amendment in Senate Judiciary to change it to take out not and put it consent is a defense into law. And everybody's flipping out at Wittick who supported the ban. So that's probably a little something you probably didn't know that was... Uh, Interesting. Um, we had uh, uh, Tom Jacobson. He got a bill through, and I think it got signed, uh, issuing tax credits for folks who uh, organize and build in access to basically locked up public lands. You know, that, that was a big issue. Right. We, we checkerboarded for some reason back in the day, and there's literally public land that's locked away. So he had, he is able to work with both sides and his bill just said, listen, if you're going to play nice with others and you're going to actually go out of your way and make a, a clear like, easement. Yeah. And, and, and allow access here's, it's pretty small, but still here's a tax credit. Right. So I know tax credits, but it's, you Did know, that die or pass? it passed. Good. 
Oh, well, and here's the thing that I don't like about it. Um, Ellie Hill was carrying the major access law. Right. Um, that would allow uh, corner crossing. Um, what happens now is such a ridiculous amount of this is mine. It shall not be yours that, uh, I want to pass a law that would make it's, it's kind of a taking, but actually since it would give some land back to other people, it's not really a taking, but it would basically mean the border of your property, the first foot and a half into it, you can't, you can't contain. So you just, right. So basically what it means is there's, there's actually three feet between everybody's borders. Right. It gives you a three-foot path that's owned by no that's one. That's interesting. That's owned by the state. And the reason that we would do that is because that way nothing could ever be checkerboarded in. And what we'd say is, the reason for that is, is because people sometimes trip and fall, and they might have ended up on your land, but it's not trespassing because they didn't intend to be there. So that first foot and a half is free space. Right. No man zone. And basically, it'd be one of those things where we turn to the ranchers, and we turn to the farmers, and we turn to the hunters, and we turn to all of them, and we go, you're acting like a bunch of children, <laughs> and so we're taking away your fucking toys. There we go. But there's uh, that's kind of like what some people... Uh, cause I, I don't know other folks. I don't have a big ranch or anything, but like what we, when we'd put up fences. That's not what I heard. I heard you had a giant ranch I have and you're actually Batman. Tens of thousands <laughs> of acres. And I, I just came here to vote for my interests. No, um, you know, where, where you put your fences in a bit anyway, cause you just, you know, for right, you just error. want to make sure it's, it's okay. So if somebody's like, Hey, it's on my, it's like, actually that first six to eight inches on the other side of my fence is my land, but I just, you wanted to be sure. Right. I wanted to be 18 because it's hard to walk on a six inch path, but, um, Oh, I get 18 on both sides. That's three feet. And that's not a big deal. And what it is, is they still own the land can still use it for grazing, can still use the minerals out of it, whatever they want, but they can't claim trespass on it. That's all. And how's that for fun? Um, okay. So here, here's something. Um, we passed a bill. I don't know if it... Yeah, I think it's law now, but there, there's two bills to deal with things in uh, public spaces. So there's one that died to put... Things in public spaces. Seems rather vague. <laughs> oh, sorry. Well, because they're two different... One's, one's public buildings, one's classrooms. Okay. Um, one was going to put uh, a copy of the Bill of Rights, even if it's literally printed off and taped on the wall of in every public building, Bill of Rights. That died... But then the one that passed was to put, and there's sideboards, but put a constitution and a flag in every single classroom in the state. And Aren't they already there? I thought so, because I had them in my rooms. <laughs> I'm like, but in it, I, I was a little, is in house ed. And, you, and remember, this is the guy who has a very big veteran district and probably voted for every single bill that ever came to him that said anything good about veterans because that's just that's just right you know me but then i and then i ended up being the only one in house education to vote against the put a flag in every classroom bill and i'm like am i anti-american certainly not you know i just didn't feel comfortable having the state tell schools which have their boards and their their communities and it's part of their budget they don't get yeah. to tell them how to spend that oh actually the the sideboards were um, and it'd be like donated from their American Legion, but if they couldn't get one donated, they didn't have to do it. So, oh, well, so it's a little more reasonable. Well, then yeah. And but here's the thing: if they if the American Legion had gone around and donated them anyway, guess what? They would have put them up. Yeah, I mean, teachers are always looking for crap to put on the walls. Yeah, because I, I I don't think there's you know our schools are secretly anti patriotic or anti American or whatever. No, that's what the Tea Party thinks, but that's because the Tea Party couldn't make it through our education system. <laughs> but um, there's uh, not kidding. <laughs> I know what it's mean to say, but I'm not kidding. Oh, I it's 
I, some things I just can't say anything just for, yeah. for safety. I, I see. And I love that. I, I'm going to really enjoy the next election cycle because there've been a bunch of people on my show and they've said things that they probably shouldn't have said overall, but none of them have said anything like what I've said. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and there's, um, and the best, and the best thing is I, that really helped me this session is I've noticed there's some politicians and it's not isolated to one side of the aisle who I don't know how they got this far, but they, they aren't capable of allowing someone in the room to be wrong. Do you know what I'm saying? Like in their mind, like if they hear something that is something that they don't agree with, they have to tell that person that they're wrong and get into an argument and everything with them where no minds are going to be changed and just go at it. Whereas, you know, a decent chunk of us have what, what's the term active tolerance where you can hear something different from your views and, and oh, uh, I, I always just term that maturity. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> maturity. So, you know, if, if I have someone come up to me and say something that I totally is, is not my personal views, I'll just, I can listen and be, that's all right. But you know, it, and it comes out on the floor. Oh, Okay, sorry. I'm just looking at the. I'm trying to get the more exciting stuff. I love um, that you're you're going through your list the way I would go through a list. So it fits right in. Uh, we oh man, a lot of fireworks, but we passed uh, the Indian Indian language bill, so that had an. I don't know if you followed that, but it had, I did follow it, and I think it's one of those more interesting bills. It's it's a very Montana bill, and anybody who doesn't know what this is, the Indian Education for All program is actually, I guess it's like ten years old now. Um, right. It's it's a really really cool. Uh, program that takes and and tells the other half of the history of our country. You know, people think about, you know, we know the Western history. We know the stuff from the Europeans that are you know, that have come over and taken over the land. We don't know our history from the natives that were here before. And um, as sad as it is that we've wiped them, you know, out for the most part, and then hidden them away on reservations, their history is very very impressive. And their society is very important, and it's important that we keep those things. Again, it's one of those things that makes Montana, Montana. We can't lose those things. So they started the Indian Education for All program, which was it brought some of those things to everybody in every high school in the state. It was It's a great thing. And then this, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but my understanding of this is to actually get um, funding to teach the three major lang languages. Um, is it three? Or actually just for, for each reservation. So, so yeah, it, well, it's the reservations that get their own and then, but then they offer, um, don't they offer di digital classes? So the people that are in, at a regular high school, if they want to take Cheyenne as their foreign language can. So basically when the bill started out and I, I can just do a, a quick history if you like. Um, sure. It, it started out, you know, the, the way Wendy boy, it, cause it had a lot of different evolutions or phases. Um, but they, um, it started out where actually Wendy boy was taking about $7 per student uh, out of Indi Indian Ed for All. This is just the start mm -hmm. uh, version. And he is going to create this program where basically there just be a transfer of money uh, encouraging the reservations to develop on language education. And then there was issues with that. So then he took out, instead of taking it from Indian Ed for All, he's going to take it from HB2. And that's how it got to us. Mm -hmm. But by the time it got to us, there's no more... The, the tie to HB2 went away, so we had to amend it to create funding. And uh, we in the amending process, we actually put both sides really liked Windy Boy Love, these sideboards of how it would happen, what they developed, you know, dictionaries, uh, web content, audio recordings, because we've got, you know, I think uh, the reservation I cover has about a dozen native-born speakers left. So they have 
to they can't wait two years to to continue rolling on this. So it would create these uh, developments of the languages, and it, you know we'd be able to monitor and make sure that it was really delivering, and, and both sides like that. But it went back to Indian Ev for all. <laughs> so you know, Mama Juno, not Mama Juno, but Denise Juno. I call her Mama Juno because she's you know she is in house ed. Uh, her her spirit was there a lot and uh said you know kind of that's not going to fly so what happened was everybody wanted this bill except for three but the d's voted no because it was indian ed for all but they thought it was still going to pass then three r's voted no because they just didn't want it at all and then you literally had a bill that only three people disliked that died (laughs) so we ended up juggling things around we were able to make the switch in committee to just an appropriation tie it back in and it, and it, and it went through, um, with 2 million to, to develop it. And, and remember, if you want to know the importance of this, I'm a guy who's gotten a lot of flack for voting against a lot of spending. And I voted for 2 million for this because we cannot wait two years. These languages, when they're dead, they're dead. We've got people who were born speaking this language who, who were resources, uh, that need to be used. So anyway, that was, Right. And what's interesting, for those of you that have an iPhone, if you go into settings, go to general, go to keyboards, go add new keyboard, and then scroll down. If you look in the C's, there is Cherokee. It's one of the only native languages that actually has its own glyph set. And so you can text in a native tongue. That's important. The, you know, the fact that these languages exist at all, they were very useful to us. You know, everybody knows the story about the Codebreakers and then the Windtalkers in World War II. We figured out a way to break almost every single code because the Japanese and Chinese languages are structured in a way that we can understand. The Germanic languages and Latin languages are also structured in a way that we can understand. The North American languages gave us a a completely different structure, completely separate from everything else, and we were able to communicate without being understood. Right. And those things are important. So, you know, the history is important and and i'm not one of those people that like you know i like history i think it's very important because it's a way to to obviously learn (laughs) get an idea how to do things better so that we don't make the mistakes of the past i don't think that we should be looking back as everything was better back then but to lose knowledge is so horrible right and you know yeah two million dollars is a lot of money for one individual but it's not a lot for a state for a group of a million people that's two bucks each to save a huge part of our history well, and, and also, you know, so give up your latte today, people. <laughs> well, and also when you look at what we have, what we can do with very little <laughs> of what's left with the technology we have, those dozen people will be enough. You know, I mean, the, you know, because if we can, well, we're, we've already started with some audio recordings. There is a dictionary. There is, you know, the system. But to, to get a robust system that we can preserve and, you know, we have the immersion school up in the mm-hmm. flathead and it's because you need you know, the next level that I'm personally going to do, and I'm not going to, you know, this isn't me tooting my horn, but just as an example, you know, there's voting for it and voting for the appropriation. But what's also important is speaking in it, not just, oh, I learned some of it, but using it and utilizing it. And during the interim, I will be going to Salish classes. Oh, in, cool. In my, because that's the language of my, you know, district originally, the first language, the, in the, and the, one, the only thing I said in committee is they said, oh, and it's great. We can, you know, this can be used to meet their foreign language requirement. I'm like, can we change that term and not call it a foreign language? I understand it's good for meeting a requirement. It's a second language. Second, exactly. Um, so that was that was pretty neat. Um, I, you know, I did pass a couple of bills. I mean, 
Yeah, but they sucked. <laughs> the bills that you actually get to pass in this kind of a system aren't the one, aren't super exciting. Um, I, I mean, I guess I was on tax. The one big, um, non wonky or boring tax change I guess people see is, uh, both sides had prioritized doing something with business equipment tax, um, and that was lowered in the threshold or sorry, the exemption level for when it kicks in is higher. So before, if you're a farmer, not making much money, but you had some pretty expensive equipment, you're getting hit up. Um, now you might still get hit up, but you'll have to have more than $2 million worth of equipment instead of 20,000. Um, I've never understood that tax. Why would you tax a business that wants to have business? You mean that like spends money and takes a risk. And if, right. You know, like if, if you're a logger and your equipment's sitting there not logging at all, um, and I think that, so I, I was pleased to see that just about everything else tax wise, um, didn't make it, but that's, you know, that's how it goes. You can't, you don't always get what you want. You don't, right. you don't, nobody, even if you're a majority and you had the governor, you don't railroad every, you don't get everything because you have a hundred individuals in that house. Right. And you do see it, uh, pretty well. Um, I got a, th- now this is this is a warning if there's future legislators that are listening and at some point in the future um, there's there's a, a bill that came up and uh, I, I really I got along with you know representative Lavin I'd consider him a friend he's out of Kalispell we actually did the geocaching around Helena a lot and that was in the Helena independent record two weeks mm-hmm. ago for all their geocaches and we do that all the time. But uh, something happened where he was on the doors and he is out campaigning and he had a passionate constituent that was just, this bill has to happen. This bill has to happen. And being a caring rep, he said, all right, I'll put you in touch with my drafter. You're my constituent. I have to represent you and, and I'll carry this bill. And, uh, and he had to carry a bill that ended up getting him so much flack from, I mean, national. He, um, and it, and I, did you hear about this bill? Is it, I don't know which one you're talking about. One man, five votes. Huh. And, and all voter suppression, but like to the extreme. That's, we, we gave it so many names. Um, and if Lavin's listening, this is just, I love you, man. You're good. <laughs> um, but what it would make, and it, it starts when you first hear it, you're like, okay, where's this going? But when you look at the end of it, you're like, oh, poor Lavin, because he's, you know, his constituents there, and it's just him. Um, it would have been wherever you own property in a municipality, you can vote in that election. So if I bought property in every single city in Montana, I got to vote. And the logic starting out was, you know, when we vote and we levy more taxes on property, having a voice, and I'm listening, I'm like, oh, okay. And, th- and then when it was also that you could stand for election in any of these municipalities you own property, and if a corporation owned the property, they could designate someone to vote, I realized, is the corporate suffrage bill. And it oh, was one man, God. five votes. And then, and then the, we were taking this to the extreme, right? Like a, if you bought an acre and were somehow able to subdivide it into like a thousand mini parcels and sell all those, then you could have a thousand votes on an acre. And, oh, poor guy. So that was, uh, so the, the, the word, word, uh, word to the wise is there may be people who tell you as a legislator that you have to carry their bill to do a constituent bill whatever they say in the district and if you want to do that that's fine but there's a code phrase you can use and this is a secret of the legislature there's a code phrase you can use when presenting that bill to let them know say this is a constituent bill and then we'll all know that okay 
you know, and, and we can vote accordingly. <laughs> um, That's tragic. Or, and, and such a nice guy to have that, you know. Well, and he, and, uh, he got so, hammered on the roadkill thing, too. And I was like, okay, I, I know Fox News thinks it sounds funny. What, the roadkill to use the roadkill for to cut up the meat? To permit it, you know, uh, to cut down on waste, you know, food banks and whatnot. So... I see, and you know, everybody's like, well, that's horrible, except what they don't realize is the roadkill they're talking about is deer, dipshits. Yeah, I mean, an elk. <laughs> I'm sorry. And what kills me, what absolutely kills me about that concept, you know, they're like, well, you can't do that. That's horrible. I'm like, dude, half the deer that are killed in, in Montana, I swear to God, are killed in the city limits by cars inside right. of Helena because we have the urban deer. We have, or, or as I like to call them, Bullock's flock. <laughs> <laughs> Because they're everywhere and they're all around the Capitol. And I don't know if you, I don't know if you saw them today, but the other day I was driving through and it was like 35 of them around the Capitol oh, crazy. Man. I was like, we don't even have to hire groundskeepers anymore. We got 72 deer that'll take care of it. <laughs> but literally, they get hit by cars every day in this town. Right. And so there's always this deer that's just been, and it they're killed lightly. There's a nice way to do this because. They, yeah, they get hit by a car, but the car's going 22, and it kills the deer, but it doesn't do much other than snap its neck. Right. You know, so the deer's dead, but the meat's good. It's not like it's been run over and been collecting maggots in 100-degree heat for no, a No, it was dead three minutes ago. It's still, you know, bleeding, quite so frankly. This thing might be, because it's in city limits, it might get in a freezer quicker than a deer you killed out in the woods. And, you know, in my district, uh, it has one of the lower employment rates in the state just because, you know, how times are. And in growing up, I mean, for me, it was normal that there was a lot of families that would supplement um, feeding and providing for their family that, you know, you, if income wasn't good, you know, you'd hunt all you could, you'd fish, you know, when the kids were old enough, they joined out and this is how they supplemented their income to be able to feed <laughs> that, their kids. I would like to point out, that's how Montana was homesteaded. Exactly. Dicks. So when I, so when I hear, you know, and they're like, oh, well, it's horrible because it's been killed by a car and it was sitting on the road. I'm like, no, that just makes it easier yeah, to pick I mean, it up. <laughs> uh, what I think is almost, it's funny, just turn it back and say, so is it somehow more moral to let this thing rot in a ditch? Well, and what's what's even worse is think about this. Yeah, it got hit by a car. A car is steel. You know what? That bullet's made out of lead. So you people that have been eating that deer that's been poisoned with lead, <laughs> that's heavy metal poison. You know what that gives you? Lead head. And then you're stupid. Exactly. And I mean, you know, and, and, as you, can, as you can tell, I obviously care what I say on my show. No, I, and I, I'm just glad that it got. I think it passed 99 to one in the house. And uh, <laughs> yeah, but it's one of those. It's one of those. And here's, uh, it's one of those bills that's, it's, it's, it's uncomfortable for people to talk about because it's a icky situation. Right. It's like the sex ed bills. Yeah. I can't wait for the next sex ed bill. I'm gonna go in and talk about all sorts of things that they're not expecting because I want to be able to have them ask me what they are so I can define it. There's um. <clears throat> It'll be fun. I was in house head, so I got to sit through it and hearing, uh, I said this as a conservative, hearing middle to later age conservatives come in and calmly say things that you wouldn't expect to come out of their mouth. And I'm not talking about just controversial policy, but words. Um, it's, it's different. It's a very not fun situation to be in when those hearings are going on. I mean, were you there for some of them? No, I wasn't. I avoided them because I'm... But you know what they're like. I do know what they're like. I've watched a couple of them online. And the reason that I avoided them is because I know that I would not be able to stand down from standing up and go, and actually explaining to them, one, all of the things, that how, how they were wrong yeah. anatomically, pulling out the charts. <laughs> and two, you know, the, the the bigger point that I... Here's the thing about sex ed, and it's a really easy thing for any of you, anybody to figure out. Do you want to picture your parents having sex? 
The answer is always no. Then why would you think that it is okay for you as a parent to talk to your child because that's immediately going to make them think of you having sex? And that's, (laughs) no, don't do that. You let a stranger, a teacher, teach them about sex. Because when a teacher talks to them, they don't immediately have pop into their head, mommy and daddy have done this, and now I need therapy. We don't do that. That's why sex ed comes from a teacher. You should have... See, nobody made that argument in our But committee. that's just it. That that's it, it comes back to the other thing. Nobody makes the obvious argument. Right. And that is an obvious argument. And seriously, I'd love to stand in front of the committee and go, okay, I want you all to close your eyes for a minute. Bear with me. Just please do it. Now picture your parents having sex. Picture them having wild, passionate, joyful sex. Do you understand now why you didn't want them teaching you about sex? Okay, good, done. And now, here's some Clorox. You can wipe it on your eyes. <laughs> I'm glad I came back for, for another show. Oh, man. Yeah, Bryce is going to have to step it up for the next one. Uh, it'll be good. Uh, we had... Um, oh, hey, I uh, carried... Uh, okay, so we passed a, a marijuana DUI bill. Uh, Doc Moore out of Missoula carried that. Uh, you know who voted against it? Who? Creighton Kearns. Why? Because he, which is, this surprised me. Um, he voted for it in committee. Uh-huh. And then he stood up and he said, after, you know, researching this, I, well, whereas I understand the intent, I do not trust that the method of measuring the blood levels and the ways could be administered is going to be effective to accomplish its goals and a worthwhile expense for the state. So that was... Which is a, leg- a legitimate thing. I mean, it hasn't been studied enough because it's been on the list of... Right. Drugs we... Oh, it's a drug. It's it's horrible. It's bad. Well, you know, you're watching all these people popping Oxycontins like M&Ms. Hey, you're talking to a pharmacy kid. I hear you. <laughs> you know, but it's... In, um, it's funny. I knew I was going to vote no on it already, but to hear, I didn't know Creighton was going to vote no. That was so. Very did it surprising. did it get signed into law? I imagine it did. I mean, who wants to veto a DUI bill in this state? You'd look like a monster. Uh, but did you? I, I saw that because now the big thing everyone's talking about is the BAC rate in law. And I saw that. Uh, I, I don't know much. I'm not on the DUI political scene in the groups. You know, knowing where everyone's stance is. But um, apparently Mothers Against drug dry, Drunk Driving came out against lowering the level because they said it doesn't go to the core of dealing with the problem because people are driving at 0.08 or could be driving at 0.08, whether it's 0.05 or 0.08. The bigger problem is, is that what it is is it's starting to put it so that alcohol is becoming the demon again. And that's just going to create a bunch of pushback that's actually going to do more harm legally because at some point – Again, the pendulum is going to swing the other way and things will be released. Things will be relaxed. The bigger problem that we have with DUIs in the state, well, there's a lot of problems that we have, but mostly we have a lot of people who don't realize how intoxicated they are because they never learned to drink correctly. They never learned how to handle a drink. They were never taught how to handle a drink because they didn't have responsible drinkers around them. And as we get further and further down this road with fewer and fewer responsible drinkers, it becomes a bigger and bigger problem. And it's funny to me because you go to Europe. I love using Europe as an example, just to piss everybody off, but you go to Europe and people still drink wine with lunch. Yeah. But people aren't blotto out of their mind. Or you look at, you know, cause you know, I studied over there Mm -hmm. and is, is 18 
And, uh, I mean, sure, you know, university kids on a, on a weekend might drink, but the way, way it was handled, I mean, you'd have, it was not unusual, you know, if you were at work and you went to a business lunch and have a beer, or if you went to, um, or even if you're going to go out and, and go out, out, instead of going to some sketchy older dude's place far away in the woods and, oh man, I may not get alcohol for another month, so I'm going to get blind drunk and pass out in the dirt. You're like, oh, there's bars within walking distance and there's security and then there's you right. know, people well, there. And, and think so about if somebody this. attacks me, there's police. Think about this. This is how we teach our children to drink right now. And, and we do it in, it's completely an unintended, unintended consequence of moving the drinking age to 21. Yep. But because they are taught to drink by going out and hiding it, yep. they're taught it's wrong that they shouldn't be doing it, and that if they get caught, they're going to get in trouble. So they work very hard at hiding these things. And then as they get older, they get better at it because they have a lot of practice at doing it. Right. And then you get a bunch of people who never learn to drink socially. They've only learned to drink in these situations where they're hiding it. Right. And they're doing it, they're drinking when they're at work, but they're hiding it so nobody knows until somebody gets a DUI because they drive off the fucking road. Right. We're setting ourselves up. It's stupid. This is where this is, you know, it's it's the equivalent. It is the analog in, in alcohol of abstinence education right. because you don't teach the kids how to do it right. So they learn to do it wrong and you end up with STDs and you end up with pregnancies you didn't intend for. And you end up with people who are 13 needing an abortion. Hello, this is a problem. I, and I, the better way to fix it is to educate. You cannot do wrong by giving people more information. See, I, I hate to go on just kind of cliche example to bring up, but. I just thought we would have learned more of a lesson with prohibition and the problems that we had to deal with when we thought we could just make it go away. <laughs> um, you know, but yeah, we can are, make it go away. And guess what we produced from that? Gangsters. Look right. How that turned I mean, out and, and look at, you know, I mean, and this cross applies in so many other ways, right? Mm -hmm. What we teach, what we learn. And I, I guarantee it's Saturday, right? So there will be in my count, rural County, some underage kids probably tonight, Going, Dude, they're drinking now. They're, they're drinking they're right drinking now. now. They're going it's a beautiful out in the day. woods. They're gonna. They're, gonna, they're out on the lake. They're drinking. Yeah. They're gonna go out in the woods, hide away from everyone, get falling down, blind drunk. If somebody breaks into a fight or someone dies, which has happened in my little community of three thousand several times, there there will not be law enforcement anywhere nearby, or or your bartender who can grab a phone, even if it's a rural bar. So I mean. It's a concern, and this and this isn't just with alcohol. We prohibit a lot of things that create a lot of problems. So, um, you know, I think the consistent small government position would realize that trying to stop things that we may not like is maybe not always the most responsible policy. Well, no, but you don't stop them by taking them away. Yeah, you stop them by making responsible use of far more important thing. A yeah. far more important choice is be responsible. If you're out drinking and you're Immediate thought when you see somebody get too drunk is they're not a responsible human being and I'm going to be responsible for them, then you're doing it right. Right. But if that's not your first thought, if your first thought is, hell, get them another shot, let's see if we can get them to dance, you're part of the problem. Exactly. You know, but isn't it, isn't this what, uh, isn't this the, uh, so I try and remind folks in, in my own caucus, isn't that the conservative mantra? Personal responsibility, accountability for your own actions. And, and there should be government. responsibility for your own actions, but you should also be a decent enough human being to extend those actions to make things better for others. Oh, exactly. Exactly. 
So, and you don't do that in a way by taking away their rights or taking away their access to things just because you don't particularly like them. Right. And I, and Teach them to deal well with it themselves. That way you don't have to be responsible for them forever. And, and I always like to point out, you know, because we... You know, give a man a drink. That's right. And well, he'll drink for the afternoon. But teach a man to drink responsibility and he won't run you over with his car. <laughs> That's what we, Jesus said. We need, we need a bumper sticker <laughs> with all of that on it. But I mean, you know, there's... Um, one of my favorite things, because everybody talks constitutional history, but, but the, uh, I like the little lesser-known things. You know, a very popular drink with the Founding Fathers was a Madeira uh, port wine out of that little island off of uh, Portugal. Mm-hmm. And uh, because, for a few reasons. Uh, one, it had a unique exemption from British tax because of some weird treaty or something. Also, it was quite strong. It was port, you know. Right. It's so like 22% alcohol or something. So our, our constitution was written under the influence, probably. There's of course. Pro- there's probably BAC in... We the people. Should we say people or persons? Exactly. People. All right. Moving on. So, I mean, there there is historical significance. with. So I always, you know, in the summer, I try and get Madeira sometimes and feel all, you know... Uh, <laughs> feel all founding, founding father-ish. <laughs> founding father-esque. Uh, I, I always found that... Oh, you know, it's it. so hard to get Madeira. Maybe you should try to own slaves. Oh, <laughs> you know, it's does it? Does so it... let's go back to the reenactment. Speaking of things that make me crazy, and oh slaves. no, I'm sorry. So here's what I don't understand, and I I don't get it. It makes me crazy. I don't understand it at all. But we had Lincoln show up, which is an actor playing Lincoln show up in the house. Like that would ever ha- actually happen in person. We can't even get the real president in the state. That wasn't the same. the same day as the reenactment, though. I know, but okay. it takes time. Okay. These things take time away from the session, and the session is only 90 days long and tends to get contentious, and there needs to be a little bit more focus on the work, a little bit less focus on this sort of stuff. And then there's the reenactment day, where they reenact what the legislature was like the first time. And what was really scary this year is the bills that they were talking about in the reenactment could have been brought up in this session. Yeah, It was amazing. And it was annoying. And I watched it go on, and all I could think is, why are we wasting our time with this? At least it doesn't happen every session. You know, it is a one-off for the 100th anniversary. But, you know, I hey, don't you think my district, which is like really, can, you know, like, why are we spending money on this today? And, uh, you know. Yeah, I'm not even one of those conservatives. And, like, I believe that you should have celebrations. Like we're going to be, you know, actually what's funny is that on November 8th, 2014, the state will be 125 years old. Nice. That's a great thing because it's four days after the election or five days. Well, it's the Saturday, the elections are Tuesday. So, and it's the Saturday after that. So it's a perfect time to have a celebration. Last time we had one was when the state turned a hundred and it's centennial celebration. It was a huge party. A bunch of stuff went on around the state throughout the week leading up to it. And then it was a huge party at the Capitol, which I was at and still have the champagne flute from. Wow. Um, and it was it was a fantastic thing, and it was a great time for all Montanans, not the left, not the right, not the Tea Partiers, not the uh, Libertarians, none of that. It was for every Montanan, of all colors, all stripes, all of us, to get together and celebrate the fact that we're Montanans and we have a really really amazing state, which we do, and exactly. we are. Yep. And um, we need to be doing that again. Speaking of, I do need to go actually make that conversation happen with the governor because we do need to have that happen sure. again. But. By that same token, we don't need to have this stuff happen in the middle of the session with our legislators wasting a, a day. An entire day. It was ridiculous. I hear you, man, but, you know. I mean, if that would have happened, I would have come in and I would have been sitting down in shorts and with popcorn going, entertain me because I'm not doing any fucking work. <laughs> did you uh, <clears throat> Did you see I, by, well, I was put in the situation? I, I went for it, man. 
I shaved down to just a mustache. I was looking up uh, whatnot, and I, I was uh, playing a, a lame uh, one-term uh, Democrat. So was Mil- Mike Miller, actually. We were both one-term Democrats. Uh, there, I think there's a couple socialists, because um, I think that's who we mm-hmm. have. And uh, I went to Chuck Hunter um, just before. I said, Chuck, I'm doing research to, to be a 1913 Democrat. Do you know what the platform was for the Democrats there? And he said, you should know you're doing a pretty good job. I'm like, oh, Chuck, don't say that. <laughs> Speaking of which, by the way, with the decorum, a lot of respect for Chuck. I mean, he, I seriously, I mean, you know, it's it's a tough position to to be in, but he he had, I, I think he had everybody's respect there. Um, I'm just saying, um, for for being, I, I'm getting off track with the uh, with the thing, but I'm just, I, I I wanted to give a shout out to Chuck here. No, I, th- I you know, I. All things considered, fine. You know, it's only once that they're going to do it because it's a hundred year celebration for it. Fine. Did you watch it? No. Did you? I, say, I, I got well, to call I turned Zolnikov, I turned off a godless heathen on the floor. Well, and see again, reason that I don't know why they needed to call it reenactment. It was accurate. <laughs> <laughs> so it was. It was literally one of those. I don't understand why we would waste our time on it in session. Now, do I think that it's a worthwhile thing to celebrate our history? Obviously, I do. Maybe if we did. After session, got everybody right. here. Well, right. no, if you had done it so that, you know, look, it is the 100th anniversary, so once we call Cine Die, is that how it's pronounced? Because uh, it is Sine Die. But I think with Latin, you can just do whatever no, you want. No, because the I's are pronounced E's and the E's are pronounced as, so it would be Cine Die. Oh, well, we need to educate <laughs> yeah, so we and have a little right. chat with some people. All right, do you want church Latin or do you want spoken Latin? Anyway, but yeah. uh, after they'd called Sine Die, uh, <laughs> Uh, they should have, you know, that should have been one of the things that they did and they should have invited people in and said, you know, this is a day we're doing after it. And if you want to be involved in it, that's great. It's not part of official business, but only, you know, actual legislators can, legislators can do this. That'd be, that would have been fine. But to do it in the middle of the session, irritating. Right. (laughs) Beyond irritating. No, I hear you. I mean, I guess since we did it, if I, if I had to be Pollyanna silver lining, it was a day of a little bit of levity because Pearson doing his spiel about protecting the chastity of the Butte women and stuff was really funny. <laughs> but because um... yeah, this. <laughs> can't protect what doesn't exist. Oh, I'm sorry. Butte. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I didn't go the to Butte, Butte men. Sorry, oh. sorry. I, I went. Uh, I've I, been there. I didn't do the St. Patty's thing. I've never done the St. Patty's thing. You've never been to St. Pat's in Butte? Nope. Oh. It's delightful, but you have to go on a week when it's not on a Sunday, or in a year when it's not on a Sunday. Really? Yeah, because on a Sunday, psh, you'd, you'd be at work the next day. When I wouldn't work, people would be like, "Are you dead?" <laughs> oh yeah, it was. Uh, I by the way, I like I liked a lot of our Butte delegation. They were pretty. I liked a lot of them. Uh, legislators. <laughs> it, I, I think it was interesting. There weren't many legislators this year that I thought were complete scum. Uh, <laughs> what a horrible thing yeah. to say. I think there were only one or two that really I have. Um, problems with on the whole like there there's nothing that they said that i agreed with there's only one or two of those this last session which is pretty amazing because because last time you probably had a higher number yeah the session before there were many there were many yeah um and it's it's from my perspective gotten better from other people's perspective i don't know that it, it, it is that much better so you know whatever um there were a couple of things that happened in the session that were bizarre um but you know that's always gonna happen it's 90 days like Things some of the speeches in. and Oh, some of the speeches, some of the things that happened with legislative services, getting stuff in there. Did you hear the Photoshop debate that I, that I chimed in on? It actually didn't get press or anything, so probably not. Um, no. There's a bunch of people who are concerned that, you know, there's this something dealing with crime law. And somebody just started and like about four legislators participated in echoing a concern. What if a guy 
took a picture and photoshopped somebody he didn't like in there committing a crime, he could go to jail. And I, I let the first one go. But then a second, a third, and a fourth were just saying, oh my gosh, Photoshop, people are going to put pictures of people doing crimes and Photoshop them in so they look like a criminal. I just stood up and I'm like, hi, I didn't want to have to speak. You can agree or disagree with the bill, but as per the Photoshop, um, we can tell. We could <laughs> probably post it on Reddit in about a minute and we'd know whether or not it was fake or not. So Yeah, and there are forensic tools for that because I mean, people yeah. do that stuff, but yeah. There's, it's a, it's actually really easy to tell if a photo is fake. You can pull it into. There's a couple of different tools that you can use to do right. it, but it's fairly simple. There's that, a lot of that stuff. This that is happens. why it's good having twenty somethings in the legislature, for <laughs> right. the record. Well, there are a lot of people. Ooh, there's there's a reason to have somebody that's got a, an extensive knowledge in an area in the legislature, and there's that's one of those times that you should defer to those people who actually know it. And it always cracks me up when we have people in the legislature talking about technology that they can't use. It's like <laughs> you shouldn't be opening your mouth ever. Just, just, oh no, princess. <laughs> you know who? You know who had the b- biggest technological improvement this session? And I'm, Ooh. I'm just talking about as a person, you, you know, outside of his policy, just as a human being. Uh, you know, Representative Clayton Fiscus mm-hmm. um, never used any technology in his life—not a cell phone, not a laptop, nothing. And he comes in, you know, uh, amputee can use one hand, and he got a smartphone. He got himself a laptop and an iPad, and he sat behind me. And by day 10, he was just, you know, it was a little tapper thing. He was just zooming through it and just rocking it. I'm like, I don't, I don't even have an iPad, right? So he's, he's just, you know, like, oh, pulled up this bill and saving it. And he's he's using the speaking tool or uh, thing. So the transcription can, tool? Yeah, transcription. And I, I was just like, yeah, good on fact, you, Clayton. I was, uh, I've been asked to teach an iPad class to a bunch of people that just got them. And they were like, no, do we need keyboards? And I was like, no, you don't. <laughs> well, why won't we need keyboards? I'm like, I'll show you because you can talk to it. <laughs> and I showed one of them, and she's, like, writing her book now because she hates to type. But she can talk to the iPad, and it just keeps going. So why not? Oh, that's great. Is there a specific uh, app that comes with the iPad, or do you just use no, a the Dragon? App, no, the oh. app, the it's built into the system. It's part of the keyboard. Oh. I'll show you once we're done with the show. I th- Oh, is it the little microphone thingy? Yep. Oh, because I'll accidentally hit it on my phone, and I'll start uh, <laughs> typing my, my swear words while I'm trying to turn it off. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't swear. I'm a, I'm a conservative, so... And on that note, people, well, it's been great having you back on the show. Um, I do want to do a show where we can have both you and Bryce on to talk about uh, your perspectives on some specific bills during the Uh-oh. session. Um, I think that'll be fun. Okay. Um, plus, find out what you're doing next, because I believe both of you are going to run again. So, Yeah, absolutely. Very uh, cool. Um, one quick question. Have you looked at how your district has changed? Did yes. it change much? Yes. It, uh, so I, I'm part of Missoula. Uh, part of Mineral, part of Sanders, and part of the Flathead uh, Reservation right now. And basically, I lose my biggest city in my district, Frenchtown, and Houston uh, in, in Missoula. And I just keep the nine-mile section of Missoula. And I go further into Sanders County. I get land-wise, not population-wise, probably a little over a third of the reservation now. And I get uh, – Plains is my new biggest town in Hot Springs. But, you know, it's – if I'm being partisan and political about it, I looked at the numbers and the percentages are an improvement. So I guess the only threat now is primary, but um, it's it's pretty good. And also, uh, I think this it's appropriate because I got assigned to the Tribal Affairs Interim Committee. Oh, that's so, right. We we're going to talk it, about that, right? So, but it, but you know, we can go into it more next time if you like. But and I'll probably have 
been to a meeting by then, but I'm, I will be on the tribal affairs and which is great because my predecessor was on it for four terms. Uh, so he can probably help shed some light on that, but very cool. someone who represents the area. That's great. That is, that's awesome. Um, I, again, I appreciate you being on the show. It's been a long time since I've done a politic boom because the session was very crazy. And then my life has been nuts and I haven't had a chance to go track people down. So thanks for coming into town and uh, we will see you again soon. Thank you very much. <laughs>